Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us tonight, we welcome you. It is good to have you with us. If you would be, open your Bibles to John, the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. We'll have slides tonight, but the scriptures will not be on the slides. So uh, be sure you take your Bible and open up, and we'll follow along together as we continue to look through this wonderful story of Jesus meeting the woman of Samaria there at Jacob's well. If we could have a little cooperation from some parents, we would like for the young people that have graduated from Tuesday, Thursday school to maybe stand up in the pew. Uh, we would like to recognize them. The Tuesday, Thursday school graduates. Ah, oh, there's a few. All right, there's more in the back. All right. What about if all of the Tuesday, Thursday school students could stand? A few more? All right. All right. We congratulate them for another wonderful year of Tuesday, Thursday school. We are so thankful for Robin Spate and the good that she has done in directing this work. We're thankful that our children in that age have the opportunity uh, to be around such wonderful ladies that train them, that care for them, that teach them Bible stories. And also it's a wonderful tool for us uh, to reach out to those in the community and get to know parents and children and make a positive and a powerful impact upon them and urge them to even come and to be a part of the work and the worship here. Tonight we also have a group of young men that are uh, conducting the services at Pennington Bend Congregation. And we are thankful that we continually have young men that are going about and they are using the abilities that God has given them and the opportunities uh, that come about. Our goal this year is uh, probably we will take off from this during the summer but pick back up in the fall and, and to be doing this year uh, all year this year, giving our young men opportunities uh, to lead in worship at various congregations. Also, word is getting out and we get phone calls that want us to help in their uh, worship services and uh, two of our men will go out next Sunday. David Burka will preach and Tim Martin will preach uh, this next Sunday at a congregation in the area. And it's wonderful when we simply take advantage of the opportunities God gives us. Think about what ability you have. Think about the opportunity God gives you and make sure that you're using your life in God's service. That's what we're always challenged to do. That's what we're challenging our graduates today to think about the opportunities that God gives them and make sure that they make choices that keeps them on the path of righteousness. This morning we studied out of John, the fourth chapter, the first seven or eight verses about the path that led them to where they were at that particular point and the paths that even took place over a thousand years that led the woman to ask about which place should we worship. But tonight... Let's briefly look at the well. Jesus offered her something that at first she couldn't understand. He offered her water. Water that he said she ought to be thirsty for. If she drank drink of it, she'd never thirst again. It took her a while to grasp this. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been really thirsty? The story's told of Jim Tankerley that was a rancher. And while he was out working on a, in a field a mile away from his home, a, the tractor slipped into gear and ran over him. It paralyzed him. He cried and cried out for help. Being a mile from home, he couldn't get anyone's attention. He had his old Airedale dog there. 
And he would always say to his dog when they went out to check the irrigation pumps, he would say, let's go irrigating. And the dog knew exactly what that meant because they would go to a pond that was on his farm that from there pumped out the irrigation. And the dog would jump in, swim around, come on the bank, run around a few times and jump back in and swim again. Throughout the day, he was dehydrating, lying there paralyzed in the field. He got to thinking, I could get water if I could get my dog to go irrigating. And so he hollered for his dog. He told his dog, let's go irrigating. His dog ran all across that field, jumped into the pond, and came back to him. Laid down beside him, and he sucked the water off the dog's fur. He did this several times during the day. Now you say, I'd never do that. There'd come a time, I assure you, where you would do that. What would you pay for a glass of water if you were literally dying of thirst? Have you ever thought about the fact that what we have right behind us, a pool of water, literally men and women would give everything they own for that pool of water in the right setting. Jesus is trying to get this woman to be that thirsty. That thirsty for spiritual life. It's so easy on this earth to get wrapped up in the physical things. It's easy to get wrapped up in physical goals, physical ambitions, and thinking that everything that matters is what's on this earth, and the relationships are on this earth, and the possessions are on this earth, the dreams are on this earth. And Jesus really has to work with us, and we see him working with the Samaritan woman to say, lift up your eyes. Even the disciples at the last part of this chapter, when they bring back food, and, and he's not ready to eat, and they can't understand who's fed him. And he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And then he pleads with them. Lift up your eyes and look for the fields are widened to harvest. All through this story, Jesus is working with an immoral Samaritan woman trying to get her to see you need to be thinking about spiritual things. Even his disciples come back. And what is he doing? He's pleading with them. You need to be thinking about spiritual things. If we could have our graduates to go out and if every one of us could go out and live a life that says, I am thirsty for eternal life. I am wholly dependent upon God. How different would our life be? Let's do it. Let's give our all. Look with me, if you will, to John the fourth chapter. Notice in verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, now note this verse, we're going to come back to it. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. 
What a discussion. Every bit of that that we've just read was about this water. Jesus trying to get her to understand that she should have a thirsting, but it's not just a thirsting for this physical water. Now, I want to begin tonight with something that we all understand, but let's just bring it to the forefront of our minds so that we can greater appreciate the spiritual application. The first fact is this simple. Water is essential. You see, even in this story, she talks about the fact there in verse 12. Well, here we are at Jacob's well. Even Jacob and his sons and his livestock had to come here to drink water. Why? As long as man has been created, all the way back to Adam and Eve, we have had to have water to survive. Here is a religious woman with, with she, at least she has a religious past, and she's living an immoral life. She has five husbands in the past, and the one she's living with now, you see, she's committing fornication or adultery. The one she's living with now is not her husband. Here's an immoral woman. I know it's not a surprise to you, but let me say it anyway. She has to come to the well to drink water also. Here's the only perfect individual that's ever lived. And what does he have to do? He has to come to the well to drink water also. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how young you are, how old you are. You have to have water. What a perfect analogy for Jesus to take spiritual life and say, it's like water. You have to have it. You're missing survival if you don't drink of this water. Doctors actually say that if you're going to fast from liquids, don't fast more than three days. Friends, you and I could fast for weeks without food, but we can't do that without water. How crucial it is to our survival, how crucial the eternal water is, the living water to our spiritual survival. As we think about this, I'd like for you to think about this eternal water and how essential it is just like the physical water is. And I'd like for you to go back to verse 10 and let's make some points as we think about verse 10. Did you notice that he talked about the gift? But then as you read on a little deeper into 10, he talked about the giver. In other words, his plea is if you just knew the gift and you just knew the one who is speaking of this gift. Do you really know the gift? Has it really sunk into you what the gift of eternal life is? If you closed your eyes and really thought for five or ten minutes and meditated upon Judgment Day, how real could that become in your mind? Many of you know scriptures well that speak of Judgment Day and speak of a divide where the saved are over on the right and the lost are on the left. Where the saved here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and the lost are condemned into devil's fire. Now as we really think about eternity and we think about Judgment Day and we think about we're all sinners but yet we can be saved with the gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus, Romans 6 and 23. Then we start to appreciate the gift. If you will, turn with me to Hebrews, the second chapter. In Hebrews, the second chapter, he tells us something about this gift. In Hebrews, the second chapter, notice verse 3. He puts it in a way that really challenges all of us because there's probably not... Anyone, or at least there wouldn't be many, if anyone here, that would say they're an atheist. And so our problem is not that we're going to stand up and rebel against God in an open fashion. That's generally not our problem. Well, if this gift is so great, what is our greatest challenge about this gift? Notice what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews, the second chapter, and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect? 
so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. How shall we escape? Are you going to escape Judgment Day? No. So since we're not going to escape Judgment Day, we need the living water. But if we neglect so great a salvation... You have a garden. And you don't go out there with a hatchet and just chop it all up because you hate gardens. You just neglect it. Just don't get the time to get out there and water it when it's really hot and dry. You don't find the time to go out there and and fight the weeds. You don't have the time to get out there and check out to see what insects you need to try to to, uh, spray for. Just neglect it. Harvest comes. Do you have a harvest? No. Why? Because you were anti-garden? No. Because you neglected it. Do you have to pull all your teeth? No, you could just neglect them. And that would take care of itself. Do you have to stand up and, and, and speak like an atheist to lose your soul? No. Just take the salvation, the living water that Jesus offers and neglect it. I meant to do that. I I let that slip to the side. I don't know, somewhere after high school, I kind of got things out of order in my life. I didn't mean to do it. It, I don't know. I just neglected some important things. Young people, I plead with you tonight. Don't neglect the important things. Keep the important things first and foremost in your life. Think about the living water and think about the fact that we can't survive without that living water and do not neglect that. But also notice as we consider this same verse of John the fourth chapter and verse 10, we also notice the giver. Do we know who is saying this? You know, when you look in John the 14th chapter, it's one of those stories that just really... It makes the heart tender for Jesus, uh, as many stories do in the Scriptures. But can you imagine his frustration? When there he was, he he just had to tell Peter back at the end of the 13th chapter, you're going to deny me, and Peter just can't believe that. You can imagine how all of them were unsettled, and he had to try to comfort them, let not your heart be troubled. And then he talks about where he's going. And in verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then... Notice Philip as he says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? These words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He makes the plea to look what I've said. It's from the Father. Look what I've done. It's from the Father. Can't you see how great the Father is. Can't you see that I and the Father am one? And so here Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman, and He's just saying to her, oh, if you just knew the gift, and if you just knew the one who was speaking about this gift, the one who was making the gift available, what famous person could give you a gift that once you received it, 
you would tell people, hey, you see this right here? So-and-so gave it to me. You're not going to get a greater opportunity to do that than to talk about your salvation. And look at the one that gave it to us. Look at the price he paid. And he did it because he loves us. But also need to note this. Why is it so hard for the Samaritan woman and even us to accept this gift? You know, when you look on the slide there, you see three things that cause us not to be thirsty for the right things. Now, there could be a lot more than three, but here are three that we mentioned. One is the focus on the physical. It's so hard for us, even when we say to ourselves we're focusing on the spiritual, to still not focus on the physical instead of the spiritual. Do you see there in verse 15? I tell you, I can't help but smile every time I read this verse. You notice what the woman says? Now, keep in mind, 13 and 14 is where the water has been offered to her that if she would accept this water, she would never thirst again. And did you notice what her answer was in 15? I want to emphasize the part that, that brings a smile to my face. The woman said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Any of you that have lived in a situation where you've had to carry water, you know exactly what she's speaking about. The barn and the barn lot on our farm where I grew up did not have running water. And so anything that we had to keep in the barn or the barn lot, we had to carry water every day for it. When we go to El Salvador, and I'm not putting anybody down, it's just a difference of background. When we go to El Salvador, a lot of times we get in situations of having to carry water. And I always get tickled at watching the city folks carry water because they don't know the rhythm you get in to carry it to keep from bumping it on your leg. And you can see the city folks are always, they're sloshed wet from, you know, just above the knee down. Now, any of us that grew up carrying water, we can take either one bucket or two buckets, it doesn't matter. And we get in rhythm and we can go for however long we need to go to carry it. But you know what? When you can do that, you can count on one thing being known. That person can understand this verse. Carrying water wears your shoulders out. It wears your legs out. It wears your arms out. Water's heavy. You don't realize how much water you use or how much a horse drinks until you have to supply all of its water by carrying it. You see what this woman is saying here? She's not getting, at this point, She's not getting excited about the eternal water that Jesus is offering that she'll never have to thirst again because of the spiritual blessings. What did she sum this up with? She said, you mean I won't have to come back here to draw again? She's getting excited. I have to come to this well every day. I have to crank this well or pull a rope out of this well every day. I have to load my vessels and I have to tote those vessels back every day. You mean to tell me you can offer me something that I won't have to do this? And you can imagine Jesus saying, Lady, you're missing the whole point. I'm offering you something spiritual. How many times do we say, Well, I'm really living for the spiritual, but yet we make complaints and decisions based on the physical. 
How many times have our young people, or even adults, talked about not going to a Bible class, and they'll say, well, my friends aren't in that Bible class. I hear college students come back home for summer break, and they'll skip Bible class. Straight out skip it. And when you ask them why, oh, my friends aren't in there anymore. Oh, well, that's good. Just throw God out the window because after all, the only thing God's good for is physical things. And if God can't provide me with my comfortable physical surroundings, I really don't have a need for God anymore. Well, I I would go to church maybe when I'm off at college on Wednesday night, but I just don't know anybody there, and I just have a hard time walking in. Oh, so God's only good if it's comfortable. God's only good if it's convenient. I want to challenge you, young people. Decide if you serve God for the spiritual blessings or decide if you serve Him for the physical. And if you serve Him for the physical... You're never going to be filled. It'll be like a thirst that is constantly nagging. And you'll see other people that are Christians, that they're excited about your Christianity, and you will sit back and you will scratch your head and you'll wonder, I don't understand what they have. What they have is real. What they have is they're depending upon the Lord. They would go and study in Bible class if the only other ones in that Bible class were not anywhere close to their age because they're there for the spiritual blessings. They're there for what the Lord has to offer them. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the physical friendships. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in being in a land of blessings. And we actually, if we're not careful, we start serving God through a vision that sees first through the physical and then looks for the spiritual. That's just like the woman at the well getting all excited saying, look, if you can give me some water so that I, can, I don't have to be inconvenienced every day, I'd love to have that. It's really what we're all about. If you were living in conditions like the first century, where to be a Christian meant that you had a lot of poverty because you were being persecuted financially. And being a Christian meant that you were, had a lot of pain because loved ones had already died for the Christian cause. You could name family members that had died for the Christian cause. And then to worship really brought a lot of fear because you never knew if you were really going to live through that. And you could honestly sit back and say, I don't see many physical blessings in being a Christian. That's the question. Would I then be a Christian? We're not going to take the time to read these other ones because we need to start bringing this toward a close. But I want you to notice the other two things under there. Why are we sometimes not thirsty for the eternal water? We're not thirsty because we're looking at it strictly from a physical aspect. Also, Hebrews 3 and 13 teaches us that sometimes it's because sin has hardened our hearts. It's hard for us to get excited about eternal living water when what we're actually enjoying is the sin of the world. And then we read also 
uh, even in 1 Thessalonians, how important it is not to quench the Spirit. How easy it is for us to take what ought to be a thirsting in our life for righteousness, a thirsting for the fulfillment of God, and instead uh, we put that to an end so that we're no longer thirsty for God. Many of, of you uh, probably have met the Humphreys. And Don Humphrey is working with a work that is trying to take the gospel uh, to Sudan. This same work uh, that comes out of a congregation in California over the last several years had, ha has had massive success in Ethiopia. And the reason the Ethiopian government allows this work to come in is because they will drill water wells because a majority of their deaths are tied to diseases that come from contaminated water. And so anywhere that a well is dug, they're allowed to start a congregation and evangelize that community. And so it's a tremendous benevolent work being done as physical lives are literally being saved, but it's also a tremendous spiritual work for the kingdom as souls are being saved. This picture that you're seeing here was taken uh, by John Ed Clark. He told me, and even describes in his last newsletter, the story behind this as he took this picture. In the village where this young lady lives, uh, their water supply was diminishing completely. And so people were scavenging around for water. She went to a dry pond, and she went to where she thought would be the moist place underground in that pond. And she dug a hole in that pond. And now she has struck water. She's cupping out water from that dirty pond that she's going to take back to her family. What would you give for a clean glass of water if that was the environment? You see... The fact is, in the world, what the world has to offer us is contaminated thirst. Where we have lust and we have sinful desire. And that desire is for things that's contaminating. And Jesus comes along, just like does the Samaritan woman. And Jesus says, I have something I want to offer you. And it's pure. It's not going to hurt you. As a matter of fact, it's going to help you. It's going to give you eternal life. And, and he says there, it's going to be a fountain that's ever flowing. When we have our priorities right and when we're fully and totally serving God, that's when we have the greatest satisfaction and the greatest fulfillment. As we close, I said to you this morning that we would make reference to the journal that was made by the second lieutenant uh, toner in the crash of... Uh, the, the airplane, the B-24 bomber this morning. As we look at these slides, I'm going to just quickly mention to you a few to get to the end. Again, just to think about in this lesson, what are you really thirsty for? What would you pay for a drink of water? When they crashed, this is what was recorded on Sunday. 
Naples, 28 places, things pretty well mixed up, got lost returning out of gas, jumped, landed in the desert at 2 in the morning. No one badly hurt, can't find John, all others present. On Monday the 5th, he refers to the fact they still can't find John, and he reveals the fact we only have a half a canteen of water, one cap full per day. On Wednesday, he says the same routine, talking about walking at night and resting. Everyone getting weak. Can't get very far. Prayers all the time. Thursday, hit the sand dunes. Very miserable. Good wind, but continuous blowing of sand. Everyone's now very weak. Thought Sam and Moore were all done. Lamont's eyes are gone. Everyone else's eyes are bad. Still going northwest. Friday is where they split up. Shelly, Rip, Moore separate and try to go for help. Rest of us all very weak, eyes bad, not any travel, all want to die, still very little water. Saturday, still having prayer meetings for help, no signs of anything. Sunday the 11th, still waiting for help, still praying, eyes bad, lost all our weight, aching all over. Now here is why we're reading this. I want you to hear this line. Could make it if we had water. Just enough left to put our tongues to. Monday, written in thick pencil, was the weak writing. No help yet. Very cold night. No help yet. Dying men saying, we can make it out here. If we just had water. As real as their dying of thirst physically was, all around us, there are individuals dying because they're not taking in the living water. I hope and pray every one of us are thirsty. Thirsty for the eternal water. And we drink deeply of that well. We love our God. We're devoted to Him. For surely, He's offered us the greatest gift that's ever been offered. And think about who's offering it. That's what Jesus wanted the Samaritan woman to think about. If you just knew the gift, and if you just knew who was offering it. Tonight, if we can make a plea to our seniors, forever drink of the living water. A plea for every one of us. Tonight, if you haven't been drinking of that living water, tonight would be the time to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. If you're a believer, willing to repent of sins and confess before men, won't you think about, won't you commit your life to the Lord tonight? Maybe you've committed your life to the Lord and maybe you've lost the path. Maybe you've stopped drinking of that water. Our gracious God, our loving God, he invites us to come to His path. He invites us to drink again of His water. Friends, it's not His will that any should perish, but that all would come to eternal life. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.